Yeah, right. yeah. A what? Oh, fuck. Uh-oh. I got a pen mark. Anybody have any white? Do you have any white stuff? Yeah, I don't know if that's going to... It's much better if you just close it. I think it... it, it, it the way okay, you You can't see it. Where is it? Three minutes. Mr. President, we're ready for a mic check, please. Do you, you see, see it? You don't see it. Which side is it on here? It's on the right side. Mr. President, can you count to 10, please? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. All right, coming to you live from the quarantine zone, it's Rock Hard Caucus. We're back. We're all hunkered down, trying not to be infected uh yeah this episode is like waking up on an entirely different planet yeah. <laughs> where <laughs> our entire reality has shifted significantly we're in a new world and it's it's the regular four caucus members so uh you know who we are we don't need to go through this every time and we're just gonna chat for a while about where we now find ourselves um i think it's worth noting that we haven't recorded an episode since super tuesday the last one we recorded was the day before with carrie hernandez and then i released it a few days after so uh we haven't been around to comment on the primary but uh that's kind of been (laughs) we kind of have thrown a wrench in that as well i think um biden was overtaking us i mean he's still ahead but i feel like this is a moment where we could probably shift things in our favor yeah no kidding (laughs) it's not over they're pushing back primaries and stuff like so it's like we have even more time now we have more time to capitalize on all of this on how joe biden's brain is oozing out of his head can we talk about his thing last night are going to work in the direction of making sure that we make sure that everyone in fact has access to education for example one of the things that i think bring out Rian, i i am i'm going to go out of the doors to elizabeth warren's bankruptcy proposal which in fact goes further allows for i mean no one should be capitalizing on this but if anyone should it should be us i agree completely i was talking about this with a co-worker <laughs> it was yeah. A coworker and I were talking about this the other day, and uh, I was saying that so the the interesting thing about this this epidemic happening during an election year is that it has one of like four possible like very distinctively different outcomes. Which of course the election was going to have a distinctively different outcome regardless. But you've got someone running on the Democratic ticket who's a little bit behind uh, that has been rock solid for the better part of 50 years on the uh, addressing the problems that the coronavirus is bringing up, bringing into the light for people that normally wouldn't see it. You know, we're talking about people that uh, they're not going to go to the doctor because they can't afford it. Uh, people whose kids will be out of school due to closures that can't afford childcare, which is extremely expensive. Um, People not being able to afford to miss work, having no paid sick leave, uh, you know, these clinics being overrun with people uh, that are sick and, you know, freaking out because, you know, of the fucking plague uh, and not having the medical infrastructure to handle it, um, not having any sort of 
like planned economy to handle something like this. You know, the stores are like out of hand sanitizer and like Lysol wipes and toilet <laughs> they paper. They are, and yep. people They're are losing their goddamn yesterday. minds. It's yeah, a exactly. test of ideology. It is. So we've got we have individualism this and you know self interest can't yeah oh yeah accommodate for a fucking social pathogen like. Mm-hmm. So people that may be on the fence still, or I mean, of course, this this thing still has more states to hit, obviously, but you've got someone that's like got a hole in his fucking head when it comes to this kind of shit and like couldn't care less. And then you also got someone who's the backbone of his platform is addressing the problems Public that health. this is, yes, that yeah. is, yeah, that this is bringing into the light. So it sounds really bad to say, but this is f- for Bernie's campaign. This is a, a I'm going to say this very gently, a good thing. <laughs> it's not a good thing, obviously, but like, I think you know what I mean. It's uh, something that can change people's like yes. perspective on things. It's an illuminating mm-hmm. thing, which is good. Yeah, a lot of go. people. Like, we'll see. I feel like a veil is being lifted. Like, there's all this stuff that's considered mandatory. Like, we all have to go to work every single day. We all have to just there's all this stuff is just falling away one by one. The dominoes are all falling. Everything's yeah. being suspended. And it's like, oh, I guess like we could have suspended this all along. Yeah, it wasn't that <laughs> important. Right. And all the institutions that we've thought of as permanent that have been around our whole lives, like dominating the discussion, um, they aren't as powerful to keep up the day-to-day normalcy as we thought they were they're not equipped to handle this mm-hmm. at all and i mean i this is making me believe in god <laughs> <laughs> no, kidding. Like, it only kills boomers and not our kids and <laughs> and it's well. infecting all the leadership it's like infecting the Trudeaus and Bolsonaro and the yeah. Trumps. <laughs> what do they call it? The the boomer remover? Is that what I was seeing on Twitter yeah. last night? Oh, man. <laughs> that's making that's them really dark. Mad, too. A little dark. But, uh, <laughs> the dirtbag left. I, tell I personally you. am a pantheist, or I consider myself a pantheist, which is that the God is like everything that exists, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, which before. Kind of ties in. Before this week, like. The virus is God. <laughs> I didn't think there was any sort of divine order to the universe, and now I'm reconsidering. <laughs> because Don't worry, you'll we be were, brought back down to Earth soon. <laughs> probably, yes. But, I mean, we were on the path to electing a socialist to president, and evil forces started conspiring against us, and basically as soon as Biden overtook us in the race... A plague was unleashed that, <laughs> that only kills the old people. people. Yeah, and it's it's definitely infected Jair Bolsonaro now, right? Yes, like he definitely he has, has it. Definitely yeah. diagnosed positive. And he's been yes. diagnosed. Yeah. He spent the weekend with multiple members of the Trump administration. Yes. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> if if Donald Trump dies, like I'm going to church now. Well, I, I'll I'll hold it, off. It on can going to kill younger people too. Uh, to be fair, it, it does. Yeah, especially if they right. have you know autoimmune problems. Right, but, right, right. Uh, a lot of people were posting that as well. Like, oh yeah, Trump's gonna get sick and fucking die. He's gonna own, but like that actually probably would be bad. Uh, I think that Mike Pence would be a far more capable 
and like far yeah. more dangerous like bush bush equally, era levels of evil yes. yeah and like he's equally fascist but how he's old like, is oh uh, i don't know um he gotta be in his 50s he also has met with people that have been confirmed infected so he could also go Mike so Pence has is 60 Ivanka years Trump, old. Which is awesome. This is why Melania doesn't leave her penthouse ever. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame her. <laughs> it's, this is the correct choice of hers. Oh, yeah. She was already prepared. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm for real, though. Like, Pence would be far more evil than Trump could ever possibly be. Like, Trump is... Trump's not a, an idiot, but, like, he... <laughs> I don't think he's capable of, you know... Really, I like, horrible, both, evil like, shit. They're both bad, yeah, but, like... They're equally evil, but, like, Pence is, like, more ambitious capable. enough. Yes. And, yeah. like... And effective. Knows the yes. system better. Right. Yeah, of course. exactly. And there would be no drop-off if he was the candidate. Like, there... there. I mean, everyone that voted for Trump in 2016 is would, would vote for Pence in 2020, should Trump not be the nominee. Mm-hmm. Like, they fucking love him, too. Like, it, it wouldn't affect voter turnout at all for the Republicans. Yeah, maybe we should just sort of uh, zoom in a little bit and talk about how the pandemic is affecting us personally. Like, how how is this impacting your lives? Uh, I'll start because I think that uh, most people that I I know, a lot of my friends, um, work in some form of like IT or like work in an office job. And despite being told for years, like, no, 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 this can't be done from home. Like, you have to be in the office for this shit. Well, they're sort of proving that that's actually not the case. Like, you can work from yeah, home, accurate. you can work remotely. You know, like, it doesn't doesn't fucking matter. I, however, I mean, I work in the service industry. I am in a position at my job where I have a lot of responsibility, and I have, like, hung on to those responsibilities and my jobs and my, and my different, you know... Things I have to do there, like a dragon atop a pile of coins, so no one else can <laughs> come even close to taking that responsibility away from me, and I became like essential personnel. I can't. My job can't be done remotely, right? I mean, I've there's 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 no way. Like it's just not possible. Like I don't have anybody else I've trained to do my job. Uh, just as far as like the availability and the actual work itself, um, I work with the public also. Um, yeah. I handle money. I handle credit cards all day. I do that in between handling food, which of course I exercise the proper sanitation procedures. But um, and th- this is an industry; it, it doesn't stop when something happens. I mean, if there is a blizzard and like the whole town is shut down, like we're still up and running and we're busy. You know, when there is something like this where people don't want to leave their houses, like we're up and running and we're busy. Uh, and I I do have my own health insurance. The company that I work for is small enough to uh, not have to provide it to their employees. So it's a bit concerning to me. Uh, this is something that I've always known and I've experienced firsthand myself. Uh, people that are in the service industry, particularly people that are handling your food, are at the most risk to not only contract, but then to spread any kind of illness. Uh, mm-hmm. There is no paid sick leave for yep. a lot of people in this line of work. Um a lot of places will require you to have a doctor's excuse, which if you don't have insurance, I mean, that's, it's not impossible, but you're talking about missing out on a day's pay because you're being paid by the hour and having to pay the cost to actually see the doctor to get this note. Mm-hmm. So in the end, you come out way behind. 
so that's why many people in the service industry, you know, people that are making your food, people that are stocking your shelves, people that are delivering your mail, delivering your food. I mean, the list goes on. Yeah. These people are going to go in sick. They are going yeah. to work sick and Just they are not going it. to... Yes, they're going to suffer through it because they don't have a choice. Like yep. that's that's what you do. And I spoke earlier about how this is going to expose some systematic flaws and I hope that it's I hope that there's enough of a light sh- like shown on them that people like can't ignore it because it's very easy to ignore this shit. Like it's very easy for people mm-hmm. to dehumanize people that their job is to serve them. It's extremely easy. Like some of the people I it's funny because like Whenever I talk to a customer on the phone as opposed to someone in person, you can tell how they, they interact with you differently. They can't see you. You know, they, they can't see your face. You, you know, you're just a voice on the phone and they can be as fucking abusive to you as they want. Like, they would never, like, use a tone like that or talk to you like that in real life, you know, or call you that in real life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's what I've observed is that this is going to... Because of the lack of access to healthcare, because we don't have the infrastructure to handle lots and lots of people going to the doctor and getting treated, I believe this thing is only going to get worse. And I believe that it will largely be because of people like myself that work in these industries that we just can't, we can't not go to work. I mean, mm-hmm. and there's a big enough segment of selfish people who do not take it seriously. Yeah, and exactly. Have yeah. given gotten a license to not taking it seriously by our our dear leader. Yeah, like, it's arrogant. It's it's pure arrogance. It like, sickens me. Yeah, it's it's horrible. Um, but I just, I just want to uh, finish by by saying that I I myself like with the position that I am in, I can't afford to go to the doctor. I can't afford to miss work. Um, so like, and I mean I've worked sick more times than I can explain to you. But I had to have a talk <laughs> with. I'm serious, dude. Like, I, mm. I you know I I don't miss work. Um. I had uh, I had to have a talk with everybody at the store that basically was like, hey, you know, this thing's for real. Um, if you are sick, do not come to work. Uh, you know, I know that by not coming, you're risking this, but I don't know what to tell you. Like, I don't have a, I don't have a solution for you. Like, I'm not in a position to, you know, I mean, I can recommend stuff to the to the owners, of course, but I can't like I can't hand you a check if you have to miss two weeks of work. I can't, you know, <laughs> see your bill on our employee health plan, you know, that you went and you got tested or whatever. Um, but no, I, I really hope that this sort of awakens a sleeping giant with the working class. And I said it earlier that I don't think that there has been a, there has been a better time in recent history in America for a general strike of oh, the yeah. lower oh, and working class. Uh, God, this, please. Yeah, the iron is hot, and uh, it's They've just a given matter of if excuse. we're going to lift the hammer. Yeah, we have an excuse. Like, the iron is hot, and it's just a matter of if there's going to be enough people to lift the hammer and drop it. Yeah, I've... I mean, I guess, for me, it's been more of, like, an emotional sort of thing, um, because I do live with an elderly person who also takes immunosuppressants, and um, I don't know, I've had to continue going to work as usual however they are um, going to try to have us work from home which i i work for a smaller company so it will be interesting to see how they pull that off it'll be yeah, if they have logistics to do it there's yeah it's gonna be that's what i'm concerned about because i still have to report for work on monday um but yeah the last couple days have been like i don't know it's a very strange mixture of 
like sadness and anger and fear. Um, but mostly just because of like people not taking it seriously yes. and like just not realizing that like they don't shut down entire countries. They don't shut down entire huge districts of uh, countries for yeah. no reason. Right. Like, and they don't, don't build hospitals in a week. Yeah. Like yeah. they could, and our sister of any country is like, I mean, it's because I'm so invested in the politics that I um, get so caught up in it. But it's uh, a new frontier, I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. It sort of transcends like healthcare being something political for people to like people thinking, oh, maybe like this should be like you know a human right. Like in China, they were sending people for like days at a time through like CT scanners and like looking for fluid buildup in their lungs, and like that's how they were like able to mm-hmm. quarantine mass massive amounts, like big parts of China, like so quickly. And as far as what I've read, you know, what's been released by the state in China is that they pretty much got a handle on it. Like, their cases are... Yeah, they did are, a great job. Yeah, the, the cases they've had are just through the fucking floor. And, like, the ones they have now are, like, the people that are in the most extreme, like, at-risk groups for it. Yeah, but they're taking measures that we would absolutely never oh, take God, here. No. <laughs> no. And we don't need... We can't even test for it, which is... <laughs> absolutely insane which is why it's so scary it's like i know it's not it's not something you should panic about but it's still like i don't know like if you live in a potential if you live in a potentially like larger city it's like it it, it can be fucking scary because once the hospitals are overflowing then anyone who gets sick of anything or gets hurt in like a car crash or any sort of thing is like not going to be taken care of and they're gonna have to prioritize they're gonna have to triage like it'll be it's not good for us here, my daughter is very, very, very sick, and it's I, you know, I don't know what it is. It's flu symptoms, but who knows? But the the really frustrating thing for that is like I I don't want to take her to the doctor because who the fuck knows what's in there? First of all, yeah, and second of all, like you don't want to like overwhelm them or like you know I I I don't want to walk into an urgent care with flu symptoms because one who knows what we're giving to people and two who knows what we're gonna get from people <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know and three like what are they even going to have available to help us with anyway um so we're just kind of trapped in her house she's had the highest fever she's ever had in her entire life without tylenol she's a a push in 104 which is just just awful it's a really really awful thing to see and i'm not saying she has it or whatever but just like dealing with these like severe flu symptoms and your loved ones even you know even if i don't i don't know what she has and we're not going to be able to find out but like you know it's really hard and dhs is not recommending that they close any child care centers which is like really difficult because on the one hand i think they should all be closed but on the other hand i don't know what the fuck we're gonna do um because neither one of us have pto cooper works on contracts so he gets almost no benefits and all the time he's off he gets unpaid um and i just started a new job so i don't have anything accrued so we're fucked and the thing is is like if they do close all the daycares everyone's gonna send their kids to their grandparents so it's like (laughs) it's like yeah trojan horse of disease going Mm. into their grandparents house (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) we're just completely unable to deal with this whatsoever like i feel like the daycare centers are like a ticking time bomb yeah Um, oh yeah where it's like 
no one is recommending they're closed <sighs> because they need to keep people working. But at the same time, like, you know, it kids do like it tears through kids. They spread stuff super fast. And like oh, yeah. it's not it's not dangerous for them, but like and so as soon as they do start closing the daycares, old people are gonna start dying. Um, because that's what we would do. I'd send yeah. over to her grandparents. I don't have a fucking choice. I have to go to work. Like, we don't have the savings for this. So it's, it's just, and, you know, I'm immunocompromised. My dad is, like, very, very ill, um, already. But I would have nowhere else to send her. So it's just, like, we're just trapped. People with kids are just trapped in this place. I mean, everyone is. Um, but I, I do think that that is just, like, and I, I don't understand. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful because I need a center to fucking take care. But, like, at the same time, it's, like, I, I don't think any of our systems, I think they haven't taken it seriously until it's way too late. And then as soon as they, they will end up closing them, you know, um, and when they do, everyone's going to go to their grandparents. It's just like, it, it's just fucking awful. It's just a fucking nightmare situation. Um, and then also just being trapped inside the house with your kids sucks. We're not. That's the other. Well, it's like, so. Um, That's I've been real re- parent shit. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've been researching and trying to follow everything they did in China. Because I just don't tr- fucking trust anything they're telling me about infection rates here or whatever. So we're following the, like, don't be more less than six feet away from people. Don't be in crowds. And so, um, and then it snowed today, and I almost just, like, fucking <laughs> slipped my wrist. I was like, I wanted to at least go outside. <laughs> we're, we're all just sitting here driving each other crazy. And, like, I don't want to be in this close quarters with my family anymore. stay strong solidarity (laughs) oh i thought you were like (laughs) like criticizing me for that no no that was entirely sincere preparing for a a long-term quarantine sitting in our house for quite a long time our whole lives really yeah ready for this moment (laughs) that's very true for me you've been (laughs) buying all the equipment for your like video games and all, all nine of my monitors surrounding me. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, like, my computer's like Neil Peart's drum set. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna upgrade my uh, VR headset and, like, here. And soon. Shit. <laughs> yeah, VR headset. I've been hoarding so. video games I didn't have time to play just for a moment. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, luckily for me, all of you um, steal movies for us, so we got like Frozen, Out the Wazoo, and stuff. So. Oh yeah, definitely. A uh, big shout out to our uh, tech consultant, our IT guy, Alan, uh, for his Plex account, which is going to get a lot of us through. Uh, you know, these boring times stuck in yeah. Not, not illegal, so by the way. Not illegal. Not illegal. He's, He's not getting paid. Legal. Alan's not getting paid. It is entirely for public, not public use, but <laughs> yeah, private, private use. Private it's copyright infringement, but it's the uh, uh, tort kind, not the uh, <laughs> criminal. <laughs> so he is the um, indiv- like the complete savior of our household right now for us having um, access to don't. all these new. Don't don't say that on the show. Don't let him hear that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I want to I want to preface this by saying that I'm going to be fine. <laughs> I right. Ash, Ashley works from home and she makes a lot more money than me and it's much more stable. 
uh, employment, but I right now am watching basically everything drop off of my calendar because I my main source of income is the university, and next week is spring break, and they've decided to uh, suspend classes and go online only for at least the two weeks following that. And to get a little more specific, I'm an accompanist for dance classes, so there's basically nothing I can do online to like make up for that missed work um and my other income sources are mainly like i work at a theater that serves mostly as a music venue um i run sound at a few places so this is all income that comes from like large gatherings of people yeah Yeah. like being in person with somebody (laughs) you're like a large group yeah everything's being canceled one by one so right now i have like almost nothing from now until april um, there was a big music festival in Iowa City that just got postponed, which was like four straight days of work, which means I'm out probably about $600 from that. Um, but again, this like Mission I, Creek you're talking about, right? It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like I personally am going to be fine, but I'm watching like people that I work with who are in a less stable position than I am. And it's like, there's no like we have no alternative there's no answer for this it's just like suddenly all of your employment is gone for the next month yeah and we haven't heard anything about like rent being stopped or anything like that so what like what are we supposed to do here i like firmly believe that it's not the suffering olympics so like even if you're going to be fine i can still feel really bad that you're in this situation you know like i'm fucking sorry justin even if you're going to be fine and be able to pay your housing and stuff it still sucks and you're allowed to say it sucks yeah 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 i'm good i'm just saying like i don't uh i don't need help like i'm gonna be fine through this but you're lucky in the sense that you're not forced to work Mm -hmm. yep this is why it still sucks (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it still sucks. <laughs> and I think th- the fact that I'm going to be okay allows me to have like a little bit of distance and be like excited for the opportunity that this <laughs> represents for us. Yeah. <laughs> In the grander scope of things, definitely. Yeah, I mean, seriously, like people people are noticing now that this was all a sham and I'm excited for that. So there's uh, one more thing that I-, I wanted to loop back on uh, that I think Evan and I have plenty to say uh, over... Uh, Justin mentioned, you know, him, the work that he does, uh, you know, doing sound and, you know, working these large gatherings, uh, is just sort of gone. Uh, and this has also, um, as I'm sure people, people listen to this know and probably don't care about, but the, <laughs> N- the, the, the NBA and the NHL, uh, suspended their seasons and, they're they were looking up to about thirty days at least. Uh, so when a domino that size falls, um, everything below it falls as well. That so. was yeah, that was kind of the first domino too, yeah. because the NBA canceled I think on like Wednesday night or like they canceled before any other like major yeah. organization had canceled yeah. Um, yeah. their stuff, and that was because one of their players tested positive. But still, yeah. It was a precedent. And, okay, they tested all fifty-eight oh, players, members of the Utah Jazz. There's, there's a total of seventy-seven tests run yep. on everyone fucking else. It just is yep. like high, highlights so much, um, like the disparities, which it sucks for the players. Like I, I'm, you know, I, I get that, but at the same time, like, what the fuck, like. 
77 tests in the entire country and then 58 Utah Jazz people. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, I mean, I I have, of course, I have sympathy for these people, but um, they are still going to get paid. Uh, But you look at the staff that works at these venues where these teams play, um, they are completely out of work now. And I know there's some players that have stepped forward that are donating a chunk of their salary to cover the wages lost by all of the venue employees. We're talking people that are in the janitorial staff, people that are working production. It should be the fucking owners, though. I agree. It should not be the I players. I mean, they these are owners... getting that wage because they're destroying their bodies and won't <laughs> yeah. and won't be able to. Okay, sorry. No, every every year those owners get together and try to figure out how they can milk every fucking penny out of their athletes that they can and give them like as little room to bargain as possible. Like if you look at the NFL, it's notoriously bad for that. Like if they don't really give two fucks about them, they don't definitely don't care about the guy that's like sweeping popcorn off the floor and like changing the trash cans oh, in yeah. their oh, yeah. their, you know, seven hundred million dollar arena. That's mostly paid for with public funds. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah, mostly built with with you know t- local tax money. So you know we saw the suspension of um, these well, winter sports. So we're talking sports that start in the fall or in the winter, collegiate sports where the championships they're gone. Like we're, I mean, yeah, March Madness is, is canceled. Uh, <sighs> March Madness is canceled. Um, you it's know, madness. It is madness. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're seeing cancellations for collegiate hockey. Like that's those guys are done too. And the the thing that I think was interesting, I was thinking about it. And so the, the name of the player that was like the first guy that was tested and affected, his name is Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert was at a press conference and he was asked because uh, he, he was a little sick and he was like asked like, "Oh, are you concerned about this?" And he's like, "No, I, don't, I ain't concerned at all." He's like, just as a joke, haha, he gets up and starts like touching all the microphones <laughs> and everybody starts laughing about it, you know. And before this, the NHL and NBA had already planned to start playing games in empty arenas. So it would just be the players, coaches, and essential venue staff. We're talking cameramen, uh, we're, we're talking TV production people, we're talking like medical staff on hand uh like that was the plan and i can't help but wonder had rudy gobert not done that and not tested positive if all of these other dominoes would have fallen in terms of everything being canceled or put in stasis for the time being because i truly believe that if there wasn't there weren't any athletes that tested positive which let's be real it was only a matter of time until one of them did i i believe yeah we very well likely couldn't have that like it, that that might not have happened like they might just be going on as plan playing in front of empty arenas but one thing that has been nice about it i mean of course like i'm upset about it like i you know i love i love hockey and the ushl who you know rough riders play in that league i don't think they're gonna reopen the season like we got an email saying like they have no idea what they're gonna do but the ushl told them to stop playing hockey games and you know hockey's right on the edge of the playoffs uh, you know, baseball is is getting ready to start. We're still, you know, in spring training. Uh, NBA, a lot of teams are starting to jockey for playoff positions. You know, we're kind of getting into crunch time for that, too. So, you know, these sports are going to resume in time for the playoffs, more than likely. But the thing that has been helpful with this is 
a lot of people that normally would have been like, oh, it's just the flu, it's not a big fucking deal, now that they can't watch basketball for the next, you know, month, or they can't, you know, go to, you know, March Madness is, isn't going to be on TV, like, now they're like, oh, well, fuck, man, maybe this is pretty serious, you know, and it's kind of, I think, helped to open the eyes of a part of the population that normally w- wouldn't have given a fuck about yeah. this yeah. and, you know, would have just gone about their lives. Hey, I'm saying invest in esports. Yeah, now's the time. <laughs> that shit's going to be money. Yeah. If if our internet infrastructure can keep up with all yeah. the people like trying to <laughs> use it at That's once. That's another thing, too. That's another thing. With all these people that are working from home now and working remotely, it has proven to people the internet's not a fucking luxury. It's a utility. Yep. Yes. Like, yes. It's yep. a right, important right. fucking it. tool. A bunch of companies have like gotten rid of data caps and throttling and shit. Yeah. So is Discord. Like Discord has expanded hilarious. their streaming capabilities. So like, just shows how arbitrary it's just like price gouging. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. Like, it's dog shit. It's so fucking. All of the veil veils have been lifted. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, uh, with everybody not working or working remotely, etc., this has kind of gone under the radar, I think, because obviously the coronavirus is bigger news. But there's something going on with High V. A lot of yes. people have been laid off. Uh, they're switching their like in-store restaurants, a lot of them to Wahlburgers locations. <laughs> Which uh, Mark Wahlberg and Hy-Vee already have a working relationship. Like if you yeah. go anywhere near the yeah. health aisle, like if there's like big cardboard cutouts of him. <laughs> yep, yep. And like he's on like a little TV in there telling you to like you know take his brain pills and drink his you know workout. Powder. It's still insane to me that his image was ever reformed. Yeah, yeah. Right? like after his like literal hate crime, yeah. and then also saying that if he was there during 9/11, like he would have like killed all the hijackers himself. <laughs> oh my god, no Tight. way! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a fucking. It drives me idiot. crazy that he's there anyway because I buy all the vegan and vegetarian food in that area, and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing here with your protein garbage? <laughs> with this orange like... cross and his oily hair. <laughs> <laughs> oily hair. <laughs> Well, now I'm going to Google Mark Wahlberg. I knew he was, like, had a rough upbringing, but, like, I hate Oh, yeah, dude. He, like, attacked a Vietnamese man, I think it was. Anyway, something's going on with Ivy. They're firing a bunch of people. They closed a very large fulfillment center in Urbandale with, like, 350-some employees. Um, Yeah, there's changes. So so weird with their big expansion of of aisles online. (laughs) <laughs> like, don't they right. need the fulfillment centers? I'm very confused right. about it. Well, <laughs> well, there's some goss on the street about this. Um, okay, okay, fill, fill me in. Um, I'm hearing that a bunch of the middle managers and, like, managers at stores who are underperforming are being kicked out of their, or, like, taken out of their role, and they're having, mm-hmm. like, senior managers come instead and run their stores and they're also consolidating a lot of like managers of like the different departments and such um but the rumor that actually makes a whole lot of sense is that they may be under consideration for being purchased by Amazon oh. which would oh, totally make no. sense that they would get rid of their fulfillment centers oh my god yeah, dude it it's you fucking, gotta be kidding me i mean yeah, that's it's, you know, it's that very gross. Amazon is also opening a huge fulfillment center in uh I can't remember which suburb, but in Des Moines. Oh no, yeah. Dude, th- in a, that makes in total sense. Yeah, exactly. Yep, south just south of Des Moines. So, I want to include this picture since we I I sent you guys this, but 
I was on the Cedar Rapids subreddit uh, the other day, and somebody posted a picture from a high V, and it's definitely legit because it appears to be on the window in like a manager's office, right? And it's a picture of like an old like um like a sloop or like a like a brigadier, like an old like you know large ship out on the ocean in the middle of the ocean, and there's nothing nearby except water and sky, and the whole thing is on fire, and there's black smoke like this massive column of black smoke coming from it. And all it says in big, bold, all caps letters is burn the ships. And underneath that, it says all in no fear, high V. <laughs> and oh my God. I sent this to a friend of mine that has been a longtime employee of high V, who I of course will not name. And he said to me, it's Mark Wahlberg. It's Mark Wahlberg. Uh, <laughs> he said, where did you find this? And I was like, I saw it on Reddit. And I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, I can't say anything. So, like, this appears to be legit. Um, but, dude, how are you getting bought by Amazon? Jesus Christ, dude. I always knew this would happen, man. Eventually, they're going to have the fucking postal service. They're going to have their own delivery service. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the USPS, FedEx, they won't be carrying Amazon packages anymore. You will have an Amazon truck show up I, to your house. I feel terrible for the Amazon employees, if, or I mean the Hy-Vee employees, if that's true. Because Me too. I mean, Hy-Vee for so long has been branded as like the family yeah. company. There's yeah, a employee helpful smile. Or whatever. Even as they've grown. Even as they've grown and like replaced all the stores from our childhood with like these huge yeah. shopping centers like they still and they have know. profit sharing and all of that yeah. i mean right. it's not a terrible place to work by any means well and sure, they pr- they hire like it's decent jobs for lots of people with disabilities mm-hmm. that's true which you know mm-hmm. fucking amazon isn't going to be hiring those people because no, no the- they're going to be getting rid of as many in-store employees as possible and the first people to go are going to be the people with disabilities and that's always been a good thing like we've been willing to pay a little bit more to go to hy-vee sometimes because the people scanning like they clearly you know are like have decent jobs even though they have they're not able to employ and it's a double whammy with the coronavirus shit yeah oh yeah employee morale like goddamn. god yeah i can't imagine like they're they're having to be in this, these very crowded stores with lots of people, which they do, but like it's nonstop. I went shopping on Thursday, and like I I got off work early at two o'clock, and there was still a fuckload of people there. Like I can't imagine how many people are going to be there around like six or seven when they're getting off work, you know. And you know the, the night crew at places like this, like you're coming in to a store that's been full of people all day, touching everything mm-hmm. in all these aisles, and you're touching the same shit and restocking the shelves, like. The the morale has to be very low for anyone that's not in like middle to upper management, and even for them, I'm sure they're like whatever. But wow, yeah, this this is nuts, man. I I can't. The entire it's, country. It's, it's wild to think about. Like Amazon is just going to be the company store for every yeah. every single American. It's like Spacer's Choice in mm. uh, fucking Outer Worlds. <laughs> it's going to be like um whatever that company was called, and sorry to bother you, which was you know based on amazon but yeah yeah that was that movie is just the future of amazon (laughs) literally the future yeah um (laughs) every every single detail from that movie is the future no spoilers (laughs) very great movie though watch it if you haven't i was just talking to my friend joe who worked for the uh usps for a little bit um and he was reminding me this is something like i didn't 
wasn't really paying attention to, but Amazon tried to open a distribution center in North Liberty and the city government like rejected them because the like labor conditions would have been so horrible. (laughs) Like they were planning on having porta potties instead of restrooms. (gasps) And what, from what Joe tells me, they planned to not have any air conditioning they were just going to have like medics on staff in case anybody got heat stroke because that what? was cheaper there's this no is, way that it's yeah that sounds crazy. Oh my God. <laughs> even that sounds a little far-fetched even far-fetched for, for amazon for but amazon, still yeah, but it's yeah fuck. <laughs> it i mean yeah i mean there's the one time they made all the employees work over a dead body <laughs> Yeah, yeah that's, I mean that's right. true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you are like a socially conscious like city in any way, you don't want them in your fucking city. Like no. an yeah. employee died, and they just made everyone walk over their body to continue fulfilling Amazon orders. I'm just like horrified by the idea that local governments are rejecting them, so they just buy the like the dominant local business it doesn't like, matter well, like can't keep yeah. us they out can now just knock on <laughs> they just go into the next door like yeah we have plenty of land and space and not so much infrastructure but they can build it themselves so it's gonna be awesome when jeff bezos has uh like all of the lawmakers in his pocket that control like labor practices and labor rights and shit so you just do whatever the fuck he wants it's going to happen. Oh, it's already there, dude. To, I mean, it's he. <laughs> it's dude, called he's Alec. He's going to keep getting richer. Yeah, well, yeah. He's just <laughs> going to keep getting fucking richer, dude, and have more and more assets and more and more power. And the way that our special brain of capitalism is set up here in the United States. I mean, like, Trump literally had the CEO of Target at his fucking yeah. conference. Yeah, like there's no limit. Like there's no ceiling for this motherfucker. Like he can become the most powerful man in the world. Like, we are reliant on these corporations to an yeah. insane degree. It's it's integrated into our DNA anymore. These, like, things that should be public services are, are just, I mean, it's neoliberalism, whatever, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's a story from June 6, 2018. Amazon warehouse workers say they've been working without air conditioning, experiencing exhaustion and dehydration. Man. So the thing I said about air conditioning is Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if the air conditioning part is true. Yeah. That's fucked. Oh, my God. I mean, I've worked a couple jobs before. They were warehouse jobs, and we didn't have air conditioning either. It's just kind of one of the things that that a company looks at, because if you are working in a warehouse, you have these massive bay doors that are always opening and closing, and it's nearly impossible to have any kind of air conditioning in a place like that. Mm -hmm. Like, the best you're going to get are, like, massive fans, like... Big, yeah, roof units. Yeah, I worked as a uh, package handler for a couple of years when I was a teenager, and, uh... Whatever the temperature was outside, it was that plus about 10 degrees. So if it was like, you know, 80, 85 degrees out, it was, you know, we're around like 90 to 100 degrees inside. And, you know, Mm -hmm. the exhaust from the trucks and then the wintertime, you know, wasn't so bad because we were really busy. So like you're working your ass off and you're staying warm, but it was pretty goddamn cold in there too. Um, But that's just like warehouse work. It it sucks. Like it's, it's, it's hard work. Uh, The conditions suck unless you're in like, pure like a pure like sorting center where you're just like stationary and everyone's just sorting mm-hmm. packages and mm-hmm. you know <clears throat> but if you're actually doing like the 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 grunt work where you're like unloading these vehicles and like reloading semis and like having to move them around and shit it's like it's it's not easy and it it, it does not pay enough <laughs> that's for sure uh so this burn the ships poster this was like visible to customers i do not think so no just okay. because of how my friend responded it 
it made it sound like this was like in, in like the window of like a manager's office or like back in an employee area because like if you go into any high V, there's like a massive area of the building you don't see, which is like all of like yeah, yeah. their back stock and like mm-hmm. there's several lounges, there's offices and like they have like what's the word I'm looking for? Like a whole like HR department and shit and just like all of the like there's there's cubicles and stuff back there. There's like an office that's back in behind every high V. I'll have to check out the Cedar Rapids subreddit to find more details about that. Yeah, I'm looking at the post right now, and there wasn't much else that was said about it other than it, it was really weird, but... Yeah, I saw the picture, and it's like officially produced marketing materials, it looks it, like, which yes, is just it, baffling. Yes, it definitely is. <laughs> and you can see the reflection of the glass. There's like stuff about, like, you can say something about like secret shoppers on there. There's like a, a, a poster on the wall of like a quote uh that says anything for a customer so like i'm this has to be in an employee only area oh my god yeah. and for anybody who doesn't know hyvee also has been in the business of donating to republican campaigns oh yeah consistently. that's right so they, yeah they like, fuck, you know fuck are evil. But, <laughs> yeah <laughs> like seriously fuck hyvee but at, like in their actual communities their staples there's nothing else it's like right it's yeah. it's mm-hmm. not that we give a shit about Hy-Vee leadership, but we know all the people that work there. Dude, fuck everything. Fuck this. <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> Burn the ships, I say. All right, so do you think it's time for me to address my mistake from last episode? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. All right. I have to I have to acknowledge that I I overlooked something pretty important on our last episode with Carrie Hernandez. Um In my defense, I'd been traveling a lot. I didn't have a lot of time to prepare things for the show. And I chose an article pretty much at random from the Des Moines Register because it looked funny, like something we could make fun of. Um, And it was by a guy named Todd Blodgett. And I was like, haha, this guy looks funny. He looks very funny. Not funny, sinister, but... (laughs) His brief uh, resume that they included with the article was like, wow, this guy sucks. Boy, was that just the tip of the iceberg? <laughs> I <laughs> like as soon as we had finished the episode, I googled Todd Blodgett, and it turns out there's a lot more to the story. And I wish that I had known before we started talking about him on the show. So now is the time to make up for that. Here's a little bit of information about Todd Blodgett. I'm starting on his Wikipedia page just to give you the early timeline. So, in 1972, Todd Blodgett met Neil Reagan, that's the older brother of Ronald Reagan at the time. He was the governor of California, and Blodgett was introduced to Ronald Reagan himself in 76, and the two met several times, I guess. This is while Blodgett was living in Iowa uh, in college, going to college. Uh, He went to Drake University. He graduated in 1983. And after that, he started working for U.S. Senator Roger Jepsen, who I have not really done any research on, but I'm sure was a demon as Horrible, well. Horrible, <laughs> like, <laughs> fat, grown ghoul. <laughs> and then after that, he worked on the Reagan-Bush Presidential Inaugural Committee in 84. Those are money laundering. Inaugural Committee is just money oh, laundering. Oh, all of them. All yeah. of them. That's, that's not real. Like, at least if you're donating to a campaign, it's a campaign. Inaugural Committees are, are money laundering. We're donating to throw you a party. <laughs> yeah. No, you're not. You're putting blood money through a, a washing machine. <laughs> Uh, And then he was on staff at the Reagan White House from 85 to 87. In November of 87, 
Todd Blodgett began working for GOP strategist Lee Atwater. Oh my God! What Can I pause guy. for a second? Yeah, what's up? I looked up that uh, Roger Jepson. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and he um joined a spa that was later shut down for being like a. Um, he thought it was a, he says, I thought it was a health club club and I visited only once and left immediately. Um, it was a, it was a, it was a moment of weakness. Oh boy. Um, he made real. (laughs) 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 So it was like a, a a prostitution. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He left immediately. He joined up and left immediately. Don't worry. Um, but it was still a moment so of it, weakness? <laughs> yeah. It's nude modeling, nude encounters, and nude rap sessions to our members. <laughs> Is that rap with a W or like? <laughs> R-A-P. I don't know what, what that means. They're in there flowing. Um, <laughs> Got bars. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> The guy who owned it pled guilty to a charge of keeping a house of ill fame. <laughs> This was in the 70s. This it is sounds amazing. like a charge from like the fucking 1400s. <laughs> oh my God. This is a house of ill repute. <laughs> His staff called um, the reporter who figured this out and told him, stop working on the Jepson story or you'll never again see the light of day. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, f- this is fun. He's... He said, "I made a person. I'm a born again Christian now, and made a personal commitment to Christ. Our marriage uh-huh. has gone through some rocky times, but um, we are hoping that we can help others." <laughs> boring. What a boring turd. This guy was uh, an Iowa senator, right? Yeah. Let's see. U.S. senator from United Iowa. United States senator. No, no, U.S. senator, but from Iowa. I mean. From Iowa, okay, yeah. Okay, so we can but, uh, we can do more with him later too. <laughs> yeah, I think it's also worth noting that uh, guys, we gotta circle back to these this dude. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Uh, no, I'd also th- I also want to say it's worth noting that uh, Todd Blodgett's father, uh, Gary Blodgett, yes. has worked as an advisor to f- uh, for every Republican president from Gerald Ford to George W. Bush. Whoa. Mm-hmm. And he was also a member of the Iowa House, if I remember correctly, Gary Blodgett. Yes. Anyway, so in 1987, Blodgett began working for Lee Atwater. Uh, if you don't know who Lee Atwater is, uh, do you know what the Southern strategy is? <laughs> <He's> <laughs> yeah. Atwater is... Vicious piece of shit. Yeah, extremely racist. Um, <laughs> Rest in piss. Evil political operative, proto-Trumpian yes. politics. Absolutely. Uh, made a very conscious effort to appeal AKA to... Reagan politics. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He, he made a very conscious effort to appeal to American racism for the political advantage of the Republican Party, which, you know, they they didn't need help with that, but he really turned it into overdrive. Okay, and then uh, he worked for the campaign for H.W. Bush in the 88 campaign, uh, worked on his staff through the 88 election, and then Atwater hired Blodgett to work at the RNC and while at the RNC, Blodgett specialized in opposition research and what were known as wedge issues. So, you know, just continuing the Atwater strategy of pushing racist, social, conservative issues on voters to push the white working class over to their side or into not voting at all. 
and th- this was all covered by that brief blurb in the Des Moines Register article. But um, after Blodgett left the RNC in 91, he formed an advertising agency in Washington. And this is where it gets a little more interesting. So Blodgett spent the 90s as kind of like a marketing consultant. And I'm going to shift over now to an interview in the the intelligence report which is the SPLC's magazine and this is an interview that Blodgett gave them in 2000 so covering the last few years after he left the RNC all right so he had started this advertising agency in Washington in 1995 Blodgett says he was approached by Willis Carto a longtime anti-Semite and stalwart of America's extreme right, and went to work for him as a marketing consultant. In the next four years, he would meet and work with other extremists, including the notorious William Pierce, leader of the neo-Nazi National Alliance. After his role as broker for Pierce was revealed in the intelligence report, Blodgett says his world began to collapse. (laughs) Oh, no. My world world began to collapse. (laughs) What the fuck, my guy? In short order, he approached the magazine, hoping, he said, to redeem himself publicly. While he did not disclose all details of his business dealings, Blodgett did offer some revealing glimpses of his former world. Okay. (laughs) So this is where the interview begins. The intelligence report asks him... Let's start out by discussing your motivations in approaching us. When we wrote about you in the fall of 1999, we discussed your role in helping William Pierce land control of Resistance Records, which, if you don't know, is a white power rock music label. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yes. Oh, dude. Mm -hmm. Neo-Nazi skinhead shit. That's like, there's a lot of it. Really? Not a lot of it, but it's it's an existing subculture. Especially yeah. in the 90s. Like, this, yeah. was a, this was an actual, like, industry. And Blodgett, for a time, owned this record label. I am in a constant state of bafflement of the things you people teach me about yeah, the darkest like... parts of the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it came out of the hardcore, like, punk movement sort of shit. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so here's Blodgett's sort of explanation of what happened. Truthfully, the answer is I was very opportunistically inclined. It was business. Strictly business. And now I'm paying the price for it, and I'm not happy about it. <laughs> Strictly business, <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> Strictly business. <laughs> I was stiffed by Willis Cardo to the tune of about $78,000 and not angry. <laughs> Imagine including that. <laughs> <laughs> and for the record, they fucked me over. Anyway. <laughs> yes, right. Which is why they're actually bad. Before he gets into any sort of ideological opposition to this guy, he's saying, yeah, and this guy owes me a bunch of money. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm really here. <laughs> okay, uh, let, me, let me get into the details here. He recaps his sort of political career. Okay, while he was working for the RNC, he was assigned to two campaigns in Texas. And this was in 1990 when Republicans lost a lot of seats because it was H.W. Bush's midterm and he sucked, so people reacted. And after he lost the campaigns that he'd been involved when he involved with, he decided to exit politics for a while. And okay, this guy Willis Cardo in, uh, approached Todd and offered him thirty five hundred dollars a month and an assistant to work for him. So Willis Cardo he owned a magazine called The Spotlight. Now I'm going to shift over to The Spotlight's Wikipedia page here. 
It's described here as a weekly newspaper published in Washington, D.C. from September 75 to July 2001. So pretty long running. Yeah. Uh, And it was published by the now defunct Liberty Lobby. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Liberty. Everyone loves that. (laughs) Uh, Pretty much just an anti-Semitic political advocacy organization. Uh, published and the magazine was publishing populist nationalist kind of stuff i'm gonna go here to the controversies section uh it says here <laughs> is it longer than the rest of the page <laughs> well there's a section where the headline is timothy mcveigh <laughs> yes he was justified because he was mad about waco <laughs> yes uh, that's exactly what they said <laughs> After the Oklahoma City bombing, it was reported that Timothy McVeigh had taken out a classified advertisement in the spotlight in August 93 under the name T. Tuttle and had used a telephone card purchased from the newspaper. So this is the kind of readership that the spotlight (laughs) was fostering here. (laughs) So Todd came came in to help the spotlight kind of turn things around because advertising revenue had been down, circulation was down, their readership, get this, was aging (laughs) imagine that so this guy willis cardo brought blodgett in to improve the uh, financial situation for his racist magazine why did i do it very simple the more people (laughs) who take the spotlight the more people are the more i charge for ads and the more ads i sell the more commissions i make willis was also having me meet with high dollar donors on just one weekend i brought back sixty thousand dollars in donations and there were many others I would get 20% of the donations I brought in. But one of the main ways he brought in money was pledges from members of the Board of Policy of Liberty Lobby. There are now 13,500 people on that board. And I would say they generate, all told, a couple million dollars a year. So he's just courting a bunch of old racists. Do you know how fucking angry this makes me after spend- <laughs> no after spending the last fucking decade of my life going around trying to raise yeah. money for causes that fucking matter like and to barely be able to crack a hundred thousand dollars for like when you've canvassed the entire fucking community to try and like provide homeless people housing and how you have to do it in 25 dollar increments and beg people to money for money and you spend all your fucking time and then you just walk in and get sixty thousand dollars like do you know how many unbelievable numbers of hours of work that much money is for someone working in a nonprofit? Like, it just makes me fucking sick. Thank mm. you. Sorry. <laughs> well, racism pays a lot better. It's Righteous. Uh, he lists a, a few people here. Uh, John Wayne was subscribed to the spotlight. No surprise there. <laughs> FDR's son-in-law was the chairman of the board of policy. What is everyone's son-in-law is real bad. Stop having having (laughs) son-in-laws. A a funny one here. Eddie Albert was on the board of policy. Uh, If you don't know, Eddie Albert was the star of Green Acres. (laughs) (laughs) What what is Green Acres? Oh, it's an old TV show. You didn't watch Nick at Night every single night of your childhood? (laughs) 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 Yeah, just sort of like a nice old man seeming guy. Uh, Turns out on the board of policy of the spotlight. There was also kind of a conspiracy side to the spotlight. There were some 
some people, he no, says, no they bought way. the spotlight for non-political reasons. These are the people who think they need to know that General Motors is building a car that runs on Aunt Jemima syrup. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tight. So I'm wondering, is the spotlight more or less racist than the Ron Paul newsletters? And like, Because <laughs> those are pretty spicy. Yeah, it seems like this is maybe a step above that. Yeah. But I don't know. <laughs> How do I get on Ron Paul's newsletter list? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think they shut that down a little while ago. <laughs> oh, but he's still he's still shilling uh, for the economic collapse, like to buy gold and, and big, oh, yeah, <laughs> probably Bitcoin too. But yeah, of he's course. like running ads on like, or at least he used to <laughs> run ads on like, you know, CNBC and shit. <laughs> God, our country is so stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. Oh yeah, it was uh, like the Ron so Paul Liberty stupid. Report or something. It's just like a brochure, I think, on like what to invest oh, in to, for to prepare for the coming up economic collapse, which, so which you're getting, but not stupid. in the way that you expected. <laughs> like it's so everything is fucking stupid. So they ask Blodgett how Willis Cardo treated him personally. Blodgett replies. Willis and Elizabeth Cardo never had any children, and Willis took a liking to me and treated me very well. At least until late September 1998, when we had a very acrimonious (laughs) dispute that resulted in my getting all my stuff out of the office in a matter of hours. (laughs) What was it about? What do you think? He doesn't give the details. He fucked his wife. (laughs) Sure, sure. We'll go with that. (laughs) He fucked him. No, he fucked him. From his like nude nude bathhouse days, and it was like <laughs> the pump house. <laughs> Willis always had people there that were just a bunch of yes men or yes ladies, people who probably could not get a decent job anyplace else. If you're loyal to Willis and you know about the life and times of Joseph Mengele, you've got the job. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> wow! I I mean, pretty good burn, but. <laughs> Well, sure, but this is a guy you willingly associated yourself with for like 10 years. Right. (laughs) I wasn't like that. He once said to me, you're the brightest guy here, and you're the only one who really has the connections we can use. (laughs) (laughs) So now he's bragging about how this guy said he was great. (laughs) Right. There's sort of a (laughs) contradiction or a a tension here between, because Blodgett really wants to stress that like, Yes, I worked with these racists, but I'm not racist myself. But they did really like me and said I did a good job. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get him fired. I mean, this is how people like to survive, just by like completely siloing off any sort of like ethical or moral responsibility. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, they can totally isolate the business from like their own personal value. I mean, obviously, like you wouldn't do this unless you had some sort of you know, alignment with their values, you know. Which which he demonstrated by working for Republicans for like 20 years yeah. prior. To oh, that. absolutely. Yeah. He was ripe for the, you know, <laughs> absolutely. Jesus fucking yeah. Christ. <laughs> All right, so the intelligence report asks Blodgett, do you have a sense of how and why Cardo got involved in the radical right? Blodgett says, he told me that he was never racially conscious at all, except, and this is a quote, for the normal stuff, like hating N-words. Oh, my God. Until he worked for Procter & Gamble as a bill collector in California in the early 50s. And he said Jewish people were even better than the blacks at avoiding having to pay. Oh, 
What the fuck, Christ, man? Dude. Yep. Well, I think that Bernie Sanders is another old white man, and he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's no different. No, there is no. He is full of privilege, and there is no like underbelly festering that like. Jesus. I think a lot of his attitudes were formed in the days of the White Citizens Councils after the 1954 Supreme Court decision. So this was the outlawing separate but equal. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Some former chairman of a council formed a committee to raise money to send the blacks back to Africa. That's when Willis first realized the monetary value of basically harping on an issue, even though there's no political saliency, even though you're not going to get anywhere politically. Yeah, because Aww. idiots will fucking donate to you and make you powerful yeah. in some small way. It's you early the power of grifters. Grifting. Exactly. Mm. Grifting. Yeah. yeah, definitely. He goes out there and says, I want money to get rid of these people. And there are certain people out there that when somebody speaks up for what they advocate, they give you money. God damn. Cardo realized the value of espousing a lost cause. There's money in it. This is so familiar. All <laughs> yes. of it. Same beats. Same rhythm. The intelligence report presses him. What was your dispute with Cardo about? Blodgett says he won't get into specifics, but it's about the money that he's owed. Whatever. Okay, so the resistance record thing, he gets into a little bit of detail here. In 1996, George Birdie, who is the co-founder of Resistance Records, sent Cardo a fax requesting a loan of around $100,000, and Cardo asked me to meet with him in Canada. But Birdie couldn't get over the border, so that deal never came off. Later in the spring of 97, Cardo asked me to go up to Detroit, where Resistance was then headquartered, and meet with them. A week after I came back, I heard there had been a raid on Resistance offices for failure to pay state sales tax. That's all that happened until the spring of 98, when Jason Snow, another co-founder who now controlled the company, contacted me wanting to know if I would talk to Willis about buying the company. We agreed that Cardo would take it over. He bought 60 out of 100 shares at $1,000 a share. And then I guess Cardo filed for bankruptcy shortly after that. So Blodgett himself ended up buying 25 shares in Resistance Records. A skinhead named Eric Fairburn, the same one who had left a message on his answering machine threatening to behead him, was given nine of Cardo's share after the bankruptcy. (laughs) 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 So yeah, it just sort of details how like, piece by piece all of these shares ended up going to todd blodgett there's just like this big web of racist people who end up owning this record company this shows that like cancel culture like literally isn't real that this guy can do all this shit in the 90s and now like write for the des moines register in 2020 like what what in the fucking hell well Elliot Abrams fucking bayoneted toddlers and now he runs our latin american policy oh it's for sure it's it's impossible to actually get canceled. Our fucking liberal-ass media. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here, let me let me read the last part of this interview, and then I have like a brief rundown of what happens after this interview. So, intelligence report, they just asked him a vague, do you have any final thoughts about this? Blodgett says, these people, the Liberty Lobby types, and frankly, a lot of the violent skinhead types, do nothing to help the conservative movement. I am not repudiating conservatism, but I am also not, and never have been, one to advocate or condone violence. When I went to Cardo, I had no idea what he was all about. 
bullshit. Today, I am sorry I ever got wrapped up in this kind of environment. Yeah, because okay. you had consequences. Yeah, I'm sorry I got fucking caught. He had no idea what Carta was all about. The guy he described uh-huh. as, like, immediately taking to people who know the life and times of Joseph Mangala. <laughs> yeah, he gets to boohoo about it and then, like, move on to basically have no more consequences. Like, okay. Goddamn. So, so this interview was published in the Southern Poverty Law Center's magazine in their 2000 winter issue, which came out in March fifth. Uh, came out March fifteenth of two thousand. And then, if we go back to his Wikipedia page, which gives uh, a brief, you know, summary of his career, from March two thousand through November two thousand two, Mr. Blodgett was retained by the Federal Bureau of investigation to supply information concerning organizations and individuals affiliated with the racist far right. He regularly met with and reported to FBI and the Joint Terrorism Task Force. Oh, so he turned informant. Right. After attending gatherings hosted by Holocaust deniers and white supremacist groups. But here's the thing. He gave this interview to the SPLC before he was hired by the FBI as an informant. (laughs) So he went public like denouncing his career as like the racist marketer (laughs) and and then the fbi has him go to these meetings like Mm -hmm. do these people just not know that he's turned it was a very like public interview yeah so he's just gonna go back to business as usual after he never he never did like i guess in private he probably continued to say exactly the same shit same racist shit to ingratiate himself with them yeah and and like they're so conspiracy minded they would be like oh yeah you did have to tell the media that but like (laughs) and then do you think he really did a good job for the fbi (laughs) 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 like come on like these groups should actually be fucking investigated like by someone who actually maybe is invested in like (laughs) anti-racism you would think (laughs) right right and yeah let's let's just take a quick look at his uh journalism career Last time we read his approval of Stop and Frisk, which is damning enough, I think, of his racial politics. Yeah, in, weird to write an article like that. <laughs> so he he wrote for the Des Moines Register about a year ago about his career with the FBI and his career before that. Uh, okay, uh, here's a headline. Birthright citizenship could lead to another civil war. Jesus uh, fucking Christ, dude. Mexicans' protests of illegal immigration expose false racism narrative. I had an insider view to the Willie Horton story. The real issue wasn't race. Oh, okay. Well, that settles oh, it, I guess. Oh, fucking <laughs> God, dude. These are published by where? These are all Des Moines Register articles. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, because I was, my thought was, I was like, I'm going to write something and have one of you send it, because um, they're not very welcoming to me anymore. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because of of my disrespectful behavior regarding Joel Curtinitis. But also, um, (laughs) apologies to Joel Curtinitis, you're not the worst Des Moines Register columnist. (laughs) Congrats. Dude. He's, like, not even on our radar anymore. Joel Kurnitis is, no. like, fucking boring, dude. I want to apologize to Joel Kurnitis. <laughs> Costly taxpayer-funded transgender services will undermine <gasps> Medicaid. Wait, the, re- the register has been publishing all of this? Yep, these are all on the register. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't publish Both my sides. Thing? Both sides. Wait, so they would publish this shit, but when I tried to, like, publish something um, attacking Joel Kurnitis for being, like... <laughs> 
they they won't do it because it's too inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh my fucking god! Sorry. I can hear the fucking rage in your voice. <laughs> I am so angry. U.S. Census should ID but not count illegal immigrants. Okay, so can I can we like a timetable that in which like these articles span from? Like, when was the first one of these written, and like, what's the most recent one? All the ones I just read for you are all in the past year. Jesus Christ, dude. So he's getting a lot of time in that column. Mm-hmm. People read this shit. Like, people that don't understand anything and, and don't care to do any research and don't know anybody that is part of whatever group he's writing about. Like, they read this shit, and this is like, oh, well, you know, you know, it's fucking old people that read the goddamn paper. Yeah, and this this is a guy who has a history of doing business with literal Nazis. Like we're not just yeah, calling like David David fucking yeah. Duke. David Duke, yeah. We're not just calling like the Lee Atwater Republicans Nazis, which I mean they are, but we're talking about literal skinhead, like white power yes. groups. This guy did business with yeah, how many? Gl- gleefully yeah. for like a decade. David Duke is literally a former grand wizard of the yeah, fucking yeah. KKK. Like yeah. he's a Holocaust denier. Like he, he's uh, he's he fucking hates Jews. How, how many thinks years they control everything. was he in the FBI? Uh, according to the Wikipedia page, two. Two. So he <laughs> yeah. he just basically Jesus. took a vacation for two years to launder his image so that he could continue on in the fucking conservative media. And I mean, his current articles seem to be professing the same old racist shit. And we're yeah. supposed to oh believe this is like for a new generation. This is like a reformed guy. Yeah. I want to. He got to do a, take a fucking vacation for two years so he could do all this fucking shit. I want to fucking the <laughs> Des Moines Register. They're the worst. Bleep that. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Parody satire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I I regret not looking into this before we read a Todd Blodgett article, but I'm sure we will find more opportunities to read the works of Todd Blodgett. I think we need this guy to be, like, on our radar at this point. Oh, dude. <laughs> he's, he's like, the biggest battleship. Like, if we're playing battleship, he's the, the <laughs> longest one. I have been so fucking naive in my life and believing that when I find these things out, if I just write enough letters, it'll make a fucking difference. Like, I I have a a brief story, so sorry. Um, But I... So there was an article on KCRG um, a couple years back um, where they published the mugshot of someone and then um, said that um, in jail he had thrown hiv tainted pee yeah. upon the uh, yeah. yeah upon the uh prison guards which um urine does not transmit mm-hmm. hiv and you right. have now i mean he's gonna get murdered now like people get killed for that kind of thing and he's clearly mentally ill and it's also passing along terrible public health information yep. everyone believes you can transmit it through saliva and urine anyway um so i called kcrg um and talked to them and they put an addendum on it and then um i was googling it again and i was like oh it's at the register so i called and emailed the register and i was like okay so they're gonna take it down and then i just kept googling it and the ap had put it out 
and it was yeah. just scattered across the entire country and every single fucking newspaper. And it was such an eye-opening thing for me of like, you can see this injustice and you can be like, wow, like I wrote, a, you know, I called them, they put an addendum, like, wow, a wrong has really been corrected here. Um, but it's a, no, but it's a fucking infection and there's nothing yeah. you can do. So I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I'll have Justin send me all this shit and I'll send an email to the register or write something and this will correct the wrong and they're no longer going to publish him and now I'm seeing like no they've been publishing him for the years and they yeah. don't give a fuck like it's they, on they purpose. can't not know about this yeah yeah and there's it, there's nothing you can do and it's so demoralizing I had all these beliefs of like oh you know um, you know I can I can you know write this wrong if I just call the news story they will you know and it's and it was just this like I just started to get sick to my stomach about the fact that I could never call enough places about it about that story and this is reminding me of it and how stupid I was like 45 minutes ago when you started this and being like okay I'm going to get this information and I'm going to get him taken off. And you can't. Like, this is just nope. the way things are. No amount of letters, no amount of phone calls, no amount of writing the wrongs can fucking change any of this. Like, it just, I'm, okay, I'm sorry. I'm real fucked up. No, that's like, good. Uh, the, the thing, the answer, the thing we can do is to uh, continue building up alternative media like a podcast yeah <laughs> or yeah like Beats TV also which is very worth subscribing to if you haven't already <laughs> yes what? give us money <laughs> only you can defeat racism <laughs> give us money oh yeah white saviors <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna overtake the Des Moines Register yeah <laughs> I mean, a dollar at a time. <laughs> the good thing is that the Des Moines Register has repeatedly tarnished its reputation. <laughs> but I, I don't know. Gannett is the worst. And we have a spotless oh, yeah. record. By yeah, comparison. we have a spotless <laughs> record. <laughs> I'm sorry for getting real weird. <laughs> no. no, you're justified. But you know I'm the reason. The reason they do it is because a large segment of their audience fucking agrees with this shit. Yeah. Yep. And that's why we have to resist, but actually resist. Yeah, Natalie, I think that was actually really important to include here. Just that you've you've tried to <laughs> to it fight against the matter. stream, and it's yeah, the, our media is like totally irresponsible or willfully sending these messages out and amplifying incorrect and harmful information both sides people get all frothed up people get frothed up when there's mug shots people mm-hmm. get fro- frothed up when they have a chance to talk about prisoners purposely infecting guards so that they can like fucking increase like um hire even more female prison guards hashtag girl <laughs> boss and it's just they know and it's i've the last like four years i just have had really really believed that if i just you know pointed things out enough that it would fucking matter and it doesn't and you have to like start to understand that this is an abusive relationship you have with institutions and you cannot think that if Mm -hmm. you just explain it the right way that they will change their minds the only thing to do is burn it to the ground you're describing elizabeth warren disease 
Yeah. It's just like, if <laughs> man, if you just reason with it, if you just write letters, they'll surely correct the wrong. It's also like Do sovereign it. citizenship. If you say the right word, it's like if you yes, say the yes. right words, you could get the government to do what you want. It's like, no. Yeah. That's like producing uh, pink uh, MQ1 predator drones for breast cancer awareness month. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you just can't. Like, it just has to be destroyed. Like, this is not going to work. Like, do not call Joni Ernst. It's a waste of your fucking time. It absolutely is. Subscribe to Means TV. Start sending money to your friends who are off work. Tell people you won't vote for Joe Biden. Tell people you won't vote for Joe Biden. That's a really good thing to do. No Biden. Don't vote for Joe Biden, also. In terms of... uh, Joni Ernst, there is something you can do that's not a waste of time, and that is support the candidacy of Kimberly Graham, who's currently yes. running in the yes. Democratic primary to run that's against right. Joni Ernst this year. And uh, I think that's going to be like a competitive Senate election. Oh, this yeah. Year. She's, Joni Ernst is v- very she's vulnerable weak. right now. Yeah, yeah, she is. And I really think Kimberly Graham is the best shot. Yeah, she's good. Even if she were not the best shot against Ernst, she's clearly the best candidate with a platform that aligns with us. Green New Deal, Medicare for All, all that shit. She's great. Okay, I think that Natalie's burn it down message is probably a good place for us to wrap it up. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. I love the righteous fury. We're in the midst of a pandemic. Now is really the time to push for all of this stuff. Like The illusion of normalcy is being shattered, and now is the time for us to break it down and build up a better future. Time to confront our very not normal society. That's fucking right. Build infrastructure within your within each other. Do every if you subscribe to the New York Times, cancel it right now. <laughs> Take your money, put it in Means TV, donate to the Intercept. Join the DSA. Join the DSA. Um, we joined it recently. It's like you know, it's it's really cheap. Um, and it's a great way to like you know start. Don't send your money. Don't to go these to any meetings ever. for a couple of weeks or months, but. Yeah, yeah. But join. Do not subscribe to these places. Do not have cable. Do not watch this shit. Do not scream this, stream the shit. Don't do any of this shit. Take your money, anything you're putting into it, and put it into alternative media. Donate to, you know, read current affairs. Donate to current affairs. Listen to podcasts. Donate to the ones you really like. Um, and, <clears throat> like, take your, like, like us. Come town. <laughs> <laughs> Just as informative as, as citations needed. Yes, that's right. If not more. <laughs> um, quick promo for citations needed. Oh yeah, is it listen changed, to that. Changed. Yeah, listen. So it it is like um, accessible Noam, Noam Chomsky. Like it will really teach you how to think about this stuff. It has completely rewired my brain and made me a lot more intelligent and a better advocate. So that's a really good one. Um, and they don't do any advertising. They rely entirely on you. So it's a good one to subscribe to, too. Um, if you have questions about like alternative media, that's a better place to give your money. Um, but as long as you're giving it to us as well, um, reach out. <laughs> we would love to share <laughs> If you are a patron, you can reach out. <laughs> if you're not, you have to pay us before I will let you join the DSA. That's right. Uh. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to have a lot of free time over the next few weeks, so it's going to be hardcore podcast time. Oh, so dude. if you want this episode better go up like tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight. Yeah. If if you want if you want me to come on your show, if you want to do a special Rock Hard Caucus edition, just hit us up. <laughs> Reach out to me on Twitter, Justin K. Comer. 
I'm here for you. Can I quick plug like what we're doing with Eat the Rich? Go for it. Okay, so um, Eat the Rich is also one of my favorite podcasts. I've talked about it before. Um, they go through, and each week they talk about a different, um, like, fucking billionaire freak or industry. Um, and I asked a couple of them to come on, and they're going to. And um, I'm going to tell them about um, the uh, billionaire freaks of corporate agriculture because they have yet to do that um, and I wanted an Iowa themed one so I am all nice. prepared we're going to talk about the fucking Cargills and the Monsantos oh Cargill um, Cargills yes so um, please get excited for that and listen to it um, the Cargills are some of the most shadowy figures oh ever they have the most billionaires in a single family um, and we don't even know how many wow. there are there yeah. are there are at least 14, but there's Jesus. no way to know how many because it's the largest. They're still privately owned. So they are like, and they use child slave labor. Um, they infect our food with fungicides and then cover up the deaths. It's it's pretty wild. So um, please watch out for that one and listen to it when it comes because I'm really, really excited about it. Hell yeah. Me too. That'll be fun. And I think today was fun. Uh, we're all very you know, cathartic. We're all quarantined, so I think we really needed this uh, social interaction. Um, <laughs> thank yeah. you guys for uh, for joining me here on Discord today, and thank you all of the listeners for listening to uh, this, the 23rd episode of Rock Hard Caucus. Jesus. If you want more of this, we've mentioned the Patreon a few times. Uh, Chuck and I just put out the second episode of the Willie Wilden review. Very good. And, Very funny. Uh, again. Again, I've got a lot of free time, so I'm going to be burning through that book real quick. So yeah. the, rem- the remaining eight episodes will be coming yeah. probably pretty soon. Podcast production is up. Economic <laughs> output is down. Podcast production is up. Yes, and potentially if the toilet paper crisis continues, eventually using it as bathroom tissue after uh, <laughs> reading it. All right. Have a good one, everybody. Stay safe. God bless. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Ivy's the store that fits my style. It's so convenient.